Hello, I'm Simon Farrell-Green, and I'm the editor of Here magazine, and we're delighted to be bringing you this series of wonderful New Zealand houses, along with our friends at Altherm Window Systems. Over the next year, we'll be talking with top New Zealand architects about a recent design, learning how it came to be, and why the people who live in it love it so much. We'll have beautiful videos, lovely photographs, and some great yarns. But we're also going to feature a podcast with each project where I get to chat with the architect and hear the story behind the design. It's a chance for us to sit down at length and hear the full story. From the city to the country, from large and luxurious to small and clever, I hope you'll follow along with us as we explore these wonderful New Zealand houses. It's a familiar conundrum. How do you bring a century-old house in an inner-city area into the 21st century? The solutions are as varied as the clients, but whichever way you turn, you're going to run into issues of heritage. In this case, the owners of this Ponsonby Villa were determined to have something radically modern and party-friendly, and called on Evelyn McNamara and Chris Tate to design a modern extension, preferably with room for DJ decks on both levels. Their response was clever, modern, but functional. Where the old house is all white painted fretwork, the new house is black stained timber and wide openings. It's dramatic and somehow seamless. Evelyn McNamara joins us now. Evelyn, tell us a little bit about how this project started. Uh, so this project was actually a collaboration with Chris Tate from Chris Tate Architecture. Um, he had actually known the clients for some time and they had spoken about um, kind of finding the, the perfect house or the perfect villa and transforming it into something that kind of represented them. Um, so, yeah, they purchased the villa um, in Greyland, which was currently kind of tenanted and needed quite a lot of work out the back instead of any kind of backyard that was kind of usable the the site kind of just fell away into a creek and from there um, I guess their brief was um, just to kind of again sort of restore heritage at the front of the house and enhance its street character and presence but to kind of represent themselves in the second half and kind of the house is based on this kind of transition from the perfect heritage villa at the front to a very contemporary and kind of bold addition out the back. Describe the scene. You're standing on the street. What do we see? So from the street you see a traditional veranda villa, um, central staircase up to a balcony, which has been kind of reinstated um, as the right-hand side of it was actually filled in um, and being used as a bedroom. Um, As you kind of open the door, you see the traditional kind of centre hallway of a villa, um, really high stud, bedrooms either side, um, traditional detailing, all kind of white on white. And then as you kind of progress down about three steps into the modern addition, um, whilst the ceiling height is actually lower, um, you feel like it's a much bigger volume than it is because of the skylight in the centre. And at the back of that new addition, um, there's kind of a full width set of 
sliding doors, which creates sort of a panoramic frame of the, the bush view out the back. Tell us a bit about sort of the, the, what that room's like to be in, because it's, that, that, is, that is the main living room. The new space has been kind of played with in a, in a few ways, in that the skylight adds the centre volume, the kind of drama of quite a squat kind of 2.4 panoramic view at the end, and then a black wall in the kitchen. Um, and the black wall was actually used to, to kind of create an infinity-type space, even though normally it's done in white when you're wanting to kind of make the space feel bigger. The, in this case, the black actually works really well in doing that. Mm. And I mean, I, I'm always really interested on those sites when you've got when the ground drops away, you've got a series of decisions about do you have stairs that go down and mm-hmm. do you have ground floor... Tell us a bit about the decision to stay, I guess it's slightly below street level rather than, you do go down, but the main living area yeah. is still kind of up in the air, which is, yeah. tell us about that decision because it's, it's quite dramatic. Yeah, I guess the decision to not enter the house and kind of internally go down some big grand staircase so that you end up with living on the lower level um, was a decision made quite early on in that there was kind of two different zones. So the owners can actually occupy upstairs entirely and have their kind of bedrooms, bathrooms, kitchen, dining, living. And then downstairs um, is kind of more all about the entertaining. So there's there's this kind of transition out under the modern cantilever to an outdoor room, which is kind of the beginning of the kind of tropical pool entertaining zone. So that concept of not having a deck at the higher level as well mm. was something that we played with with the doors and that being able to open them right up and, and position them all together in any location means that you do feel like you're standing on a deck when you're actually just in the dining area or the living area. Nice. So it's sort of about, I guess, upstairs it's about blurring are you in, are you out, and then downstairs is a whole different experience. Yeah, upstairs is definitely about framing that view as you enter the modern space, which is sort of largely bush. And then as you approach that edge and you can look down to the pool, you kind of suddenly feel like you're on a deck when actually you're inside. And then downstairs you're under, you're under a cantilever, so you've got shelter but you're outside but you're inside. So you've kind of got a similar blurring of what that space is in a way there, haven't you? Yeah, well, the downstairs um, kind of dining and, and conversation pit is is flexible in that in summertime you can kind of retreat from the heat, um, but in winter you've got that shelter as well. And it also helps provide privacy from the neighbours because you're so far down that you actually there's no, there's no sight lines down in there. Nice. So instead of having to do, you know... a covered canopy type thing you're using the house effectively yeah to to, to give you that that yeah. shade that we all end up building yeah. that's it yeah and is the is the idea of that being a public or an entertaining thing is that tell us a little i know there's a path down the side so is that very deliberately almost like don't come into the house just come straight down here yeah so there's there's this kind of concept that 
when people arrive, at, you know, and you're already underway with your barbecue or pool party or something like that, you don't really want to have to keep going and answering the front door of the villa. So we came up with an idea that sort of helped to soften the house against the neighbour's property by keeping that set in and then landscaping it with trees sort of that come through the boardwalk and also that guide you back down to the outdoor entertaining area when you're a guest that's arrived for that reason. So you just go straight down to the party? Straight down to the party. Nice. Was, 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 was entertaining and parties and, and that was obviously a huge part of the brief. Tell us a, a bit about that because it's, it's quite fun. Traditionally with a villa, um, they don't necessarily kind of capsulate that idea of, of kind of party. They're a little bit more formal and they have this kind of central entrance and very kind of private area of, of bedrooms. And then you generally move into kind of a kitchen dining living. Um, so the brief here was get all that on the top um, and that's, that's perhaps how you live half of, you know, 60% of the time. But then when you invite people over, you've got this whole other beast that you can have them come down the side and you've got, you know, outdoor kitchen, fridge, pool, conversation pit, fire, barbecue, everything you need. <laughs> so, yeah, skipping that, skipping that sort of formal entrance was a really important part of the client's brief. It's got, has, it got, has it got room for decks upstairs and downstairs? Is that, are they actually permanently installed or is it? Um, yeah, having decks was, well, somewhere to put them. Um, so downstairs on one side there's a built-in sink and wine fridge uh, and a TV and then on the other side it was left blank purposely to be able to position the decks there. And then upstairs, um, where the stairs come up, there's a little nook that's also perfect for the DJ deck, so they can go in either spot. Brilliant. What sort of condition was the house in? You said it had been tenanted and obviously not, obviously a bit mucked around. Yeah, the the villa had been altered at the front, which a lot are in terms of people have tried to make them more spacious by claiming some of the veranda and, and things like that which completely butchers the look of the front of it and all the fretwork just gets kind of wiped off. I have one of those. That's where I work. <laughs> well, it's quite hard work and essentially something like that, you end up rebuilding it entirely. But one key move we had to make was you kind of end up with a couple of critical points and one is where the road is and one is where your house is. And so to get a car in underneath the house... We had to go for permission to actually raise the whole house up 20 centimetres, um, which the council did end up allowing because it still followed the natural contour of the street down, which they quite like, where all the villas step down with the road if the road's sloping down. So moving it up was just critical, um, yeah, into getting a car in um, underneath or garaging in underneath. Um, but from there, and in doing so, it meant our new addition was really squashed vertically because it couldn't exceed even that extra 200 we'd normally have been able to get. Right. So both neighbours were involved in that and also just the proximity to the neighbours' boundaries. They were really, really close um, and we dug down extensively to get that 
outdoor living down below, um, which is north-facing, so it all made sense and it, it wasn't kind of cavernous in going down that deep. But the retaining walls are, are about two and a half metres on the sides. So quite extensive. Big call. Big call, big money. But, yeah, worth it. I mean, I think it's quite unique in that it's sort of scraped out like a cave, but you're not, you don't feel like you're in a cave at all at any point. And, and what, in terms of the fact that, like, the addition is, you know, I mean, you've, you've really accentuated the difference between the two. You've got white fretwork and, and kind of black-stained latticing on the, on the back. Was that... Was that okay? Like, how did council and the heritage planners and things respond to that? Well, interestingly, I mean, as I understand it, one of their key requirements is that you can differentiate old to new. So unless you're trying to seamlessly continue the villa with all that detailing, then they want it to look completely different. Um, And the the kind of nature of the, the fretwork, I mean, the diagonal pattern was an attempt to reference that concept of pattern in detail but in a different sort of more modern way versus perhaps just a more modern weatherboard or something like that. Um, But the trees down the side, which actually have become quite a cool feature of that boardwalk, were actually a council requirement in order to screen that mass of black from that neighbour. So the fact that they're a little kind of white skinny trunk and then a big poof at the top that's what that was about, so that you can kind of weave through them at ground level and they provide a bit of a break to that big black box on top. What did the neighbours think? Were they okay about it? Was it was that a difficult process? The neighbours weren't, weren't particularly happy about it. Um, one had been there quite a while and had to get a lot of advice on, on what she should be saying yes to. Um, I mean, I think neighbour consultation probably added about a year to the project at resource consent stage. Um, And, yeah, there was a lot of sacrifice, perhaps, on my client's part in terms of that new addition's only 2.45 ceiling height, which is not really what you would would go for in a house of that budget. But, again, that, that panorama that we created, we kind of felt that that compensated for that. Yeah, I mean, I actually like that because you end up with, you kind of go, you've got a vertical thing and a horizontal thing. And so you, it feel, that feels quite dynamic to me rather than trying to match three and a half metre studs with, you know, a gigantic blank room. Mm. Yeah, well, it's, it's a certainly it's a point of difference. And I think because you step down into the space, you sort of leave behind the big 12 foot ceiling of the villa and you're quite aware of the fact that you've gone into something more contemporary. Mm. Mm. I, if you hadn't had to keep the old place, would you have in a, in a, in a, in, you know, in a blank slate world? Um, potentially not, although the clients really, they'd never actually owned a villa in themselves and, and kind of transformed it. So they were quite interested in that idea of having that kind of romance of the villa at the front. It's quite pretty and it's quite perfect and all it's white and the little kind of maple tree out the front. It's all quite quite cool and, and it also it makes the house settle into where its environment versus kind of turning its back on, on that streetscape. 
Yeah, I'm just I'm always interested in it because it, it's an interesting. I mean, obviously, you know, when you've got heritage rules and that sort of thing, you have to keep them, and that's become a a, a pretty standard kind of default. But mm. it's always I'm always interested to know what mm. their value is, and and are we actually just kind of preserving historic relics? Just for the sake of it, or do they actually have some value? Is there actually a point, a, a bigger point to this that that we should think about when we're when we're considering what to do? I think potentially a mix of both, because I think people there's kind of a human scale to villas, and that they're quite tactile and they're quite friendly and they're quite pretty. And I think sometimes in modern architecture it can be a bit cold and a bit maybe a bit masculine, and there's a lot of concrete and glass and steel, and some of that kind of maybe even the detail on things like the balustrades it's kind of nice to hold and touch and it just yeah there's something different about them that I don't know that we should get rid of I just don't know that we should force it to be kept perhaps (laughs) (laughs) I sort of asked you this but tell us a bit more about it how did how did you make the new part feel separate but connected because it's a challenge I'm always interested in that especially when you've got such a break you've got as you say the threshold boom, 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 mm. you know and you want them to talk to each other but you also want a new thing we we carried on or carried through the same paint color on the walls the same flooring so we redid the villa flooring to match the new so there was that continuity the paint color and actually uh early sort of component of the brief was a slightly kind of masculine, quite graphic, quite black and white kind of aesthetic. So that was pulled into the villa as well. So the bathrooms are very black and white and that then helped modernise that part of it and bring it into the new. So the bathroom that you access first, whilst it's in the villa, it still feels very contemporary and it's got a massive big skylight in it, which talks to that concept of bringing light down into the house um i want to talk about the big the big window at the end because we've sort of skirted around it a little bit it's it's a really dramatic moment and and it's 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 a lovely focal point did was it always that big opening did it move around as an idea or did that was that quite sort of definite that yeah we're going to come down we're going to see this big horizontal slot it was kind of just, it was decided quite early on and it was informed largely by the fact that we wanted to screen out the neighbours in that space. So very early on we decided that both side walls would be solid and have no openings in them and that does provide an incredible level of privacy and, and again that idea that there is no deck that you're kind of standing perched out on which people can just see you from. So... In doing that, and then the ceiling height kind of, yeah, always dictated that we'd have this panoramic view and and not wanting to block out any of it because it's quite a private view. No one can really look in and you can't really see much else. Mm. And so, and tell us, so the extension, is that completely cantilevered? So there's no support, so it's all tied back underneath. there's no support, which is kind of terrifying, but... It actually works again, those two walls that we decided quite early on would be solid are giant, effectively steel trusses that carry and hold the whole thing up. So they go all the way back to the garage from that front face. Incredible. 
So the roof and the floor are kind of the lightweights, but the walls are doing most of the work. And tell us, um, I'm, I'm really interested also in the way that the kitchen and the cabinetry works in that, in that house. Um, it's dark, it's quite dramatic. Um, tell us a bit about that. So the black and white um, palette was obviously employed throughout that whole space. But again, we, we initially had quite a dark kitchen, but the wall was still white. And it was later on that once that wall was painted white, it just seriously closed in the space and it felt a lot smaller. So we just made a call to basically paint it black and the whole space completely changed. And it actually almost seems to soften the blackness of the kitchen because it's on a black wall. So I guess the design as well is just that it had to cope with that idea of entertaining kind of for a a dinner party or Christmas and that the island is like four metres long or something. Wow. Something quite large like that, yeah. Brilliant. How did you want the house to feel as you moved through it? Me or the clients? Well, that's true. Bit of both. Bit of both. How, what did they want it to feel like and then where did you go with that? I think what the clients wanted was something that was again, that kind of slightly softer romantic villa aesthetic upon entrance, Um, but certainly shameless sort of masculine contemporary out the back and just crisp, you know, there's no kind of fuss, everything's sharp lines and kind of quite bold and it's black and white. And they have softened it with planting and, and kind of, yeah, indoor plants and stuff, but other than that, there was never really any discussion of colour and pattern and things like that. And and then how did you respond to that? What were some of the things that, that you brought through? We we did quite a lot of of custom detailing and products like even the mirrors in the bathrooms were kind of, again, a black frame and they had a little shelf inbuilt that you could store things on. But in order for things to be that reduced, you've actually got to work quite hard to pull away all the detail and not have any handles that are visible. And, and yeah, really kind of reduce, reduce, reduce. The bathrooms, though, in the villa part do have the tongue and groove wall lining, which is sort of a nod to a traditional material but painted white. To, to kind of modernise it and keep it within the black and white palette. What, 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 what's the thing that, when you reflect on it as a project, um, what, what's the thing that you like most about it? What do you, what, what, what do you look at and think, yep, that, that's the thing that really made that thing work? I think the outdoor space is, is particularly successful in, in that it's kind of fit for purpose. And when you're there, you just feel like if, it, if it's not a party, it should be. <laughs> but at the same time, I think there's something really bright about the house. You walk in and it feels like you could be in a gallery or in some kind of, yeah, on set for a shoot or something. It has a, it has a different feel to that kind of softness of a lot of homes. It has a really crisp, sharp, bright, clear feel about it and is there anything in that in that project that that you that stayed with you for other projects I'm always interested in like was there was there something you kind of worked out on it that that you've 
that you've taken through into others? Yeah, definitely the the cantilever. Um, the use of the doors upstairs as um, in kind of replacing a deck, I think that was really successful and that's something I hadn't really done before. And actually even being able to talk people out of wanting a deck on a higher level and just saying, well, with doors like this, you can actually feel like you're outside when you're inside. You don't need to step onto a deck to create that transition. Um, and the conversation pit. I'd always wanted to do one, and that was the first one that I'd managed to get over the line, so quite happy about that. That was Evelyn McNamara telling us about a house she designed in Ponsonby, Auckland, with Chris Tate, a sophisticated urban retreat that balances heritage with modern. Thanks for joining here and Alfirm as we explore these great New Zealand houses and chat with the architects who brought them to life. We'll see you next time.